The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And what a special edition of The Dish we have for you tonight. It's Davo on Clubhouse Conversation, and it's time for our annual first half recap with Clubhouse Conversation insider Jake Lutz, who joins me now. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Davo. How are you? Well, how can you not be good with a 52 in 34 <laughs> first half by the Royals? Am I right? You are absolutely right. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And we're, we're going to get to a lot of stuff on this dish. Let's kind of whet people's appetite, Jake. We're going to begin by going over our first half MVP, get some first half awards. We're going to talk about our expectations for half one, if they were met. We're going to talk about some of the other teams in the division, preview the second half, and then my favorite, the true or false five-pack at the end. But, but let's get started, Jake, with our first half Royals MVP. Now, I do have – the way I'm going to do this on my end, is, as you know, after each game on the dish, I do a player of the game here uh, on Clubhouse Conversation, and I keep a running tally of the total player of the games that each player has. So there's one man who has the most of anybody, so I'll give him by default the first-half MVP. But before I tell you who that is, because you don't even know yet, tell me who your first-half MVP is. My first-half MVP is Lorenzo Kane. Love it. I think he's one of the most valuable players, honestly, in the American League in the first half. I mean, he's hitting over 300. He's doing everything. He's hitting for more power this year. He's still on 17 bases. And just, I think he's the thing that keeps this team running every single day. And Yeah, I believe he's, what, to, fourth I, in the AL now in batting average, too? I mean, I know, I know that yeah. batting average is archaic, and I understand that. But, I mean, you know, he's getting on base at a good clip as well. I mean, I, that's a solid pick right there. I mean, what, like you said, what he brings, he's, he's kind of like the, uh, the Energizer Bunny for this, state, for this uh, you know, team, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Just with the way he plays every single day on center field, and he's just—he's just an exciting player. Every time the ball hits him, every time he's on base, something exciting is going to happen. He's—he's he's as fun to watch, I think, as anybody in the league, and he is definitely deserving of a first-half MVP honor. Okay, now Lorenzo Kane, you're going to hate me here, Jake. He's got four player of the games in the first half, along with Kendrys Morales has four, Chris Young, Edinson Volquez, Salvador Perez, and Lorenzo Kane. Now there's two players who have five. That would be Alex Gordon and Eric Hosmer. But our winner, first half MVP, this is based on player of the games on the dish. Our winner, only one man has six. Game, uh, you know, player of the game so far this year, Jake, and that is Moose. I knew it. Yeah, so we're going to go with Mike Moustakis, who has been slumping, as you know, over the last couple of weeks. Although, in fairness to him, you know, and unfortunately, he's got a lot going on off the field. So, I mean, we're not going to, you know, a lot of that's, you know, due to the fact I'm sure of him going through that A, but B, missing so much time, uh, you know, right in the middle there. So it's been tough on Moose the last couple of weeks, but he's given it a go. He's been there for the team. His teammates have lifted him up. The city's lifted him up, and vice versa. I mean, Jake, if you look at his stats, you know, 780 OPS, that's just fifth amongst the KC regular. So that's a good sign. 780 is your your fifth highest amongst everyday players in the Royals. 353 on base is third amongst KC regulars. Uh, you know the seven and 31 aren't gonna you know aren't gonna jump off to somebody who doesn't watch Moose every single day. You know 14 and 62 right. pace at a third base is nothing to write home about. But the fact that I mean it's just you and I have talked about it, Jake. I mean have you ever seen a more night and day? I mean you played college baseball. Have you ever seen a more night and day? Uh, you know major difference and, and different approach. It, it's almost like overnight from last year to this year. He's a bats it's it's really unbelievable what he's done because you know they've 
talked about him trying to go to the opposite field, and, you know, he was working on that a lot in spring training, but we didn't know if that was actually going to, you know, transfer over to the regular season, but it has. It's unbelievable. He has more opposite field hits this year already than he did last season. It's it's just incredible. He's just obviously put in a ton of work in the offseason because that's very, very difficult to just completely change your approach like that in one offseason. It's unbelievable what he's done. Agree, and I'm shocked. I mean, uh, I, I'm like you. I was, I was. I mean, you went out to Arizona. I mean, semi skeptical. You, you know, you always hear about, oh, he's in the best shape of his life. You know, I'm not just saying Moose any player. You know, player X is in the best shape of his life. Oh, and, and player Y is really working on this this year. And player Z, oh, he's going to really try to hit the ball the opposite way with more power. I mean, we heard that, but I mean, honestly, Jake, did you expect anything close to this? I didn't. No, I didn't at all. I thought, you know, he would probably, it was just something he was working on in spring training, and, you know, maybe he would get a few more opposite field hits this year than he did last year, but I thought he would still be pulling the ball a lot and trying to hit for power. It's it's really incredible, though, the transition he's made. I mean, it is very, very difficult to just completely change your approach like that. Moose is, it's, he's been fantastic this year. I mean, he's been clutch. He, he definitely, I, I see worthy of the first half MVP honor I agree yeah, well, I, I, I'm with you on Kane, too. And, and the good thing about this team, as you might expect by a team 18 over, is there's a lot of guys. I mean, you, you could have been right if you would have said Kendrys Morales, I would have bought it. You, you could have said Alex Gordon, I would have bought it. I mean, you could, you, I mean, heck, you could have made a case for Chris Young, I mean, for stabilizing that rotation. There's lots of guys who could be considered for first-half MVP. So I love your Kane selection. I, th- I think Moose is a pretty solid take based on that as well. But both, I mean, you really can't go wrong with a good six, seven, eight guys. You know, there's a good, you know, Wade Davis could be considered. I mean, there's lots of guys in this team that could be sitting for the you know for that first half MVP. Now, Jake, the next category of the first half. This is not a good one. You, you don't want to be named this award. And I'll begin with you. Biggest disappointment of the first half for the Royals. Well, I, I have to go with Alex Rios because I really you know I thought especially before he got hurt that he was going to have a really big season. And back when we had our preview, I thought that he was going to have a good year because he's got a lot riding on this year. You know, contract. And, you know, I thought I thought this would be the year that he would get it back together. He was healthy, but then the injury, and he just can't really, hasn't really gotten it going since he got hurt. And it's been disappointing because he needs some production out of that right field spot, especially now with Gordon going to be out until September. He has to produce in the second half. He just has to. But, you know, I'm d- disappointing to see him only with a 238 average, 66 on base percentage. I know he's only had – you know, 170 at-bats, but only six extra base hits in those is just not going to cut it for your right fielder who's supposed to be a power hitter. So we really, for himself and for the team, we need him to have a strong second half. Six extra base hits and 170 at-bats. And, you know, one of those was the home run on opening day. I mean, you you know, <laughs> yeah. you look back at that. And, you know, I, I'm not choosing him, but just to kind of expand on Rios and back you on that, Jake, there's been 114 players that you know start in the outfield who have 150 at bats or more in MLB. So 114 different outfielders across MLB have 150 uh, you know at bats or more. Where do you suppose Alex Rios ranks on base percentage out of 114? Uh probably t- towards the very bottom. Yeah, try the <laughs> very bottom. Jake his, his his 266 on base is the worst out of 114 outfielders who have 150 plus ABs this year. I mean, you touched on it, the lack of extra base hits which explains the OPS of just 554. So, and Jake, the other thing is 
I mean, I, I don't mean to call you out here, man, but I mean, I remember you telling me he took great routes in spring training. The arm looked good. Where, the defense has even been suspect, hasn't it, the last few weeks? I mean, is he carrying over offense to defense, do you think? I think that may have something to do with it. Yeah, he's been a little lazy. And throughout his career, I've, you know, you've noticed that when he's on teams that aren't playing very well, he kind of is a little bit lazy out there in the outfield. But you, you hate to see it on a team that's so good, like this Royals team. And, I think that the hit, him struggling at the plate has to be affecting his defense, but this is the major league. He, he can't let it affect his defense. If he's not hitting, then we need him to at least be solid out there in right field. But yeah, he hasn't been taking good reps for the ball. He's been lazy at getting to the ball, missing the cutoff man sometimes. So he really just needs to excel his entire, pretty much everything, offensively and defensively, because he's been a, a major disappointment in the and, first half. And not to pile on Alex Rios. We're not trying to do that. But, I mean, Jake, we also, what, three base running mistakes in the last week before the All-Star break, two in one game. I mean, you're right. I mean, if, you, you, you know, Frank White always, always says, you know, put something in the basket that day. If you're not getting a home run or an extra base hit or driving a run, do something. Move mm-hmm. a base runner over, lay down a good bunt, make it a good defensive play. I mean, do something every day to help the team win. And in recent days, it is not it has not been the same for him since J.R. Graham, the Rule 5 pick of the Twins, plunked him. Jake, my biggest disappointment of the first half, I'm going to go with the duo here, and that's Danny Duffy and Jordano Ventura because, I mean, mm-hmm. coming into the year, I mean, I think you and I thought for sure one of them was going to anchor this rotation without a doubt. And as we sit here right now, uh, you know, going into the second half, as far as innings pitched, they're fourth and fifth, respectively, on this uh, 72 and a third for Ventura, Duffy just 62. So Ventura's fourth in innings pitch, Duffy's fifth. And yes, they both had injuries, but that is part of the you know disappointment process as well. Early on, we saw Ventura struggling with uh, you know different random ailments, you know numbnesses and getting suspended and and you know getting ejected from games early. And of course, Duffy's had the injury bug. But I mean, you look at their strikeout numbers. Ventura for me has been disappointing, missing bats, 58 Ks and 72 and a third. Not awful, you know, not not awful, but not what you expect out of Ventura uh, this season. And then, you know, the 4.73 ERA is certainly not what you were hoping for. Again, it's not god-awful, but it's certainly not good. And then you look at Danny Duffy with a 4.65 ERA. He has just 41 Ks in 62 innings. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? And we'll talk more about the pitching. Don't get too, you know, we'll talk more about that in a little bit, what we think is going to happen and stuff. But as far as just those two alone, what are your thoughts on Duffy and Ventura going forward? Well, it definitely wasn't what we were expecting the first half of the season. And if before the season you would have told me that they both were going to have – on the DL and they were going to pitch the way they were, I would have thought we would be, you know, 18 games under 500. Right. <laughs> At the break, honestly, because nothing out of them the first half. And, you know, they're both back. They're both healthy now. And I'm hoping we can get a strong second half. Honestly, we need a strong second half out of both of them, to be honest. And hopefully Ventura's strikeout numbers will go up, too. Yeah, because I – yeah, it was a disappointing first half for those two. But thankfully, the, we had guys like Chris Young and yeah. Edison Volquez stepped up in the rotation. And the rest of the team, the offense was better than I think we expected. So – we're in a good situation, despite those two not really doing much to help us out in that first half. Right, and you mentioned Chris Young. I mean, definitely could be, uh, you know, like I said, considered for the MVP. I mean, you you take out Chris Young and even a guy like Joe Blanton. I mean, combined, you got what? I mean, I don't have the stat in front of me. What, 10, 10 to 12 quality starts at least 
between those mm-hmm. two. I mean, you take those starts out, you know, add another five, six, you know, losses, and all of a sudden you're back down to four or five games over 500. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, and not to mention what those guys did as far as stabilizing the entire pitching staff. You start going to guys who go three innings and get bombed, maybe you're five, 10, 15 games under because of your bullpen being overworked. And I mean, it's a big domino effect. So, yeah, long story short, I agree with you. Chris Young cannot be underemphasized how big he has been for this team. And, and going forward, I think for sure, Jake, we need one of those two, Duffy or Ventura. I mean, as the playoffs started, uh, you know, tomorrow, wouldn't you almost feel like you have to have one of those two guys as your one of your top threes as, as kind of a shutdown guy in the postseason to, to really go deep? Definitely, yeah. You you need them. You honestly probably need them both. But yeah, you need them both to be back and healthy. And you know, somewhere at least they don't have to be as good as they both were last year, but they need to be at least a little bit closer. You know, because yeah, you, you it's it's hard even like if you were. Thinking about, let's say, the season ended today, I, I don't even know where I would begin with putting together this playoff rotation right now. Volquez, probably your number one, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I and then after that, it's just, uh, I mean. I mean, it would be. You know, <laughs> You'd have to have Chris Young in there, though. I think he's back to the bullpen. Yeah. More, more on that here in a few minutes. Now, moving on to the next thing. Biggest surprise player. I will start on this one. Biggest surprise player. And there's a number of guys you can, you know, we mentioned a few of them already. I'm going to go with the guy who I think not only is the biggest surprise, but the most underappreciated guy. And that's Franklin Morales, the lefty out of that bullpen. I mean, mm-hmm. coming into the season, yeah, he had, a, he had a nice spring training. Got absolutely bombed his last two outings of the spring. You saw one of those against the Mariners. <laughs> out, uh, I believe it was in Peoria, but I mean, he got lit up like a Christmas tree. So uh, coming in, I'm like, yeah, you know, and I don't know. But Franklin Morales, 36 appearances so far. He's gone 35 and two thirds, so strictly a one inning guy. But a 2.52 ERA and Jake, the WHIP is under one, 0.98. Not a guy that's going to strike out a lot of guys, but can get you uh, some. He's, I mean, he's gotten some big outs. Two or three of those wins are directly attributed to him getting out of jams and and holding games uh, for the Royals. And I mean, obviously that bullpen: Davis, Herrera, Matson, Holland, more impressive resumes overall but I mean do you at least agree with me that Franklin Morales has been a big shot in the arm for this team so far this year absolutely and I was worried when after spring training I wasn't sure exactly what we would get out of him but he's come in in so many situations for the guys on and able to take care of business he's been fantastic against left-handed hitters and he's been a huge pickup for us I mean he's been a the entire bullpen has just been you know incredible this year and, yeah, he's been a big part of the success, and I agree. He, you can attribute a few of those wins directly towards him. Yeah, absolutely. Do you agree with him for the you know, for the biggest first-half surprise, or do you have somebody else in mind? I'm going to go with a little guy we were just talking about a minute ago. I'm going with Chris Young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because this is a guy you expected to be your long reliever, and, you know, I expected him to get maybe a handful of starts this season because, you know, guys get hurt and he would fill. Did you expect him to already have thrown, you know, 87 innings and have an ERA right at three? I mean, he's been <laughs> he's been our most reliable starting pitcher, I would say, probably. You know, you could make a case for Edmonds Volquez, too. But he's, yeah, I never expected what we've gotten so far out of Chris Young, and he has been just fantastic with, due to all the injuries we've had. It's the fact that he's been there to stabilize the rotation, it's been a huge surprise, and he's been a big part of the team's success. 
prospects so far this year. Yeah, I mean, if you told me before the year, Jake, that he'd be pacing for 170 innings at the All-Star break, I would tell you we're in big, big trouble because that would mean yeah. I mean, that would mean pretty much what's happened. You know, there's been injuries. I mean, gosh, almost the entire rotation, minus Guthrie and Volquez, you know, have been struggling. I guess Young has been healthy, but he hasn't been in the rotation the whole year. But, I mean, the only guys who have been out there every five days so far are Guthrie and Volquez. Although Volquez, you know, had the had the suspension and had the, the blister issue for a while, so he missed what? Uh, didn't really miss a start, but he got pushed back a couple of days. But, yeah, for the most part, you know, <laughs> Chris Young has really been a savior mm-hmm. so far for that rotation, obviously, in the first half. And, and the next one, I think we're both going to agree on the slam dunk, and I'll let you start with them. Actually, I'll start with them. The Twins, the AL Central surprise. There's no doubt I'm going to answer for you. I'm sure you're going to mm-hmm. say the Twins, right? I mean, they're 40. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 49 and 40. I, I think with Minnesota, Jake, it, it starts with the pitching and ends with the pitching. The, the, you know, the rotation, first of all, you know, Kyle Gibson has been outstanding this year. Eight and six with a two eight five, and, and I, th- I think he's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, but maybe you and I both and some other people. The start of the year saw the names Trevor May and and Mike Pelfrey. You know, Pelfrey's a retread. May you're not sure about, and, and Tommy Malone. You know, has been good in the past, especially in his Oakland days, but struggled last year. I mean, you see those names. Gibson, you know, has some upside. You know, in him because he's still young and, and he's growing into that two eight five. But I mean, Tommy Malone a two eight four. Pelfrey's made a comeback with an even four. Trevor May a four one six. You've got Glenn Perkins. 28 for 28 in saves. I mean, talk a little bit about the Twins, Jake. I mean, how surprised? Because I know you and I both had them picked for last. Yeah, it's it's been impressive. I expect their starting rotation to be good at all, especially with Irvin Santana you know, being suspended the first half of the year. Now they've got him back, and honestly, they don't even really need him with the five starters they got right now. With Bill Hughes has got the worst ERA of their five starters with a 4.32. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty nice for a starting rotation. You know, Tommy Malone and Kyle Gibson have both been unbelievable. And, you know, when you look at their lineup, their batting averages aren't impressive at all. Their on-base percentages aren't either. But they've got power, and between Plouffe, Hunter, and Dozier, they've all drove in about 50 runs each right around there, give or take, for each of them. So, I mean, they've been able to hit the ball out of the ballpark and drive in runs. So, and they're doing just enough on offense. But they really haven't had to do a lot because that rotation's been unbelievable and then Perkins has been, you know, just lights out at the end of games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the other surprise I would throw in for the Central, uh, just as kind of a, a, you know, the Twins are obviously the slam dunk number 1A, but the 1B, I mean, Cleveland. I mean, let's go over this team, Jake. It just doesn't add up to me. They're they're 42 and 46. They've got a great manager in Tito Francona. And, I mean, you look at the core of that lineup. I mean, you, you I think losing Jan Gomes for the first couple months of the year really hurt them. But, I mean, still, you've got Brantley, who's an MVP candidate coming in. Kipnis is putting up MVP-type numbers, you know, arguably the first half. You know, you got Carlos Santana. You got Brandon Moss. I mean, you got some nice role players like Chisholm Hall sprinkled in and some Avilas's. I mean, that's like seven, eight guys in we're talking. So that's I mean, that's a solid lineup, first of all. Then you have the reigning Cy Young winner who's been fantastic. Now Kluber started slow, and the Royals have actually gotten him really good this year. But you know, four and ten, but you know, we know wins and a loss for a starting pitcher is one of the most you know, useless stats. He has a he has a three three eight, Jake, 154 Ks and 133rd uh, you know, 133 and a third, and then you've got Salazar, who I talked about a lot, and in, in you know, is kind of my surprise pitcher of the division. He's not let me down for some reason. I still haven't figured it out. They started them in AAA for the first four or five outings, but he's sitting eight and four at the three seven four. He's pacing for about 180 innings, even with spending his first few outings down in, in AAA. You got Trevor Bauer, 
who's all of a sudden eight and five with the three seven six. I mean, you've got a couple of decent relievers. Their bullpen's not great. That's been one of their biggest downfalls this year. On paper, it looks good, but it has not been. But go. I mean, what's wrong with Cleveland, Jake? I mean, and going through the whole division, everyone's within five and a half games of the wild card right now. Cleveland and Chicago, you got double digit games back. Detroit's nine. You know, Minnesota four and a half. But when you look at a team, I think we can both agree the White Sox are pretty much done. But to me, and I think Detroit is too. I think they're great. We'll let you talk about them in a second. But uh, talking about Cleveland, what do you think of their first half? And are they out of it, or do you see this team as still semi dangerous like I do, at least for the wild card? I mean, their first half was strange because, yeah, you're right. The numbers don't add up to them being four games under 500. But you know, I I do think that they still are definitely have a chance um, to make some noise here because their rotation is just so good and their lineup is good. And you know, there's their bullpen is okay. Their defense is not very good yeah. either. So if you want to look at a couple downfalls in the team, but They've got enough talent on that lineup, and that starting rotation is kind of scary, honestly. I mean, there's not really a hole in that starting rotation. I think they could definitely go on a roll where you may see them rattle off, you know, nine out of ten wins, win nine out of ten games or something. I think they're, you know, is dangerous, honestly, in the second half, despite being four, you know, four under 500. But it's still a long ways to climb up from that. Yeah, I mean – so, I guess let's talk about Detroit real quick. Detroit's nine back, just as you and I predicted, Jake. We we both. I mean, it's not. It doesn't make a rocket scientist to see that they're getting older. A lot of their key parts are getting older. It doesn't make a rocket scientist to see that they'd be injured. I mean, you've got a lot of injuries in that team. Miggy, you've had you know, Victor Martinez has been hurt. Verlander's been hurt. Anibal Sanchez has been hurt. Avila has been hurt. And we knew all that coming into the year. Joe Nathan. I mean, when you look at Detroit, I mean, they've. Are they done? I mean, am I wrong that Cleveland will finish ahead of Detroit? No, I think you're absolutely right, and I think they are done. I really do think their season ended last week when they blew that game against the Twins. Yeah. When they gave up seven runs in the ninth. Their bullpen is just so terrible, and it's been, you know, what's hurt the team over and over over again throughout the years. And that's what we talked about before the season started. We said we didn't like their bullpen again, and then we thought they would get injured, and that's exactly what's happened with Verlander. I mean, Cabrera, the list, Martinez, the list goes on and on of guys who've been hurt. And, yeah, I, I think they're probably a team that's going to finish right around 500, but I, I think Cleveland's much more of a threat than they are at this point. So do you agree, then, it's, the order is going to be at least three through five? Three through five, we can agree. Cleveland, uh, are we saying Cleveland is third and then Detroit's fourth and, and the White Sox are fifth? I mean, or do you think do you think Cleveland can still catch Minnesota? I think they could catch Minnesota. Um, it just just depends, you know, if the Twins can keep up the way they play the way they did the first half. I I don't know. I'm skeptical on whether they can continue to play as well as they did in this first half of the season. Yeah. I think, but yeah, I think four and five would be yeah the Tigers and then the White Sox definitely. Okay, so I mean, we're going through one through five. Then I mean, we got the Royals winning the division. Then obviously, yes. Okay. Okay, and, and that's let, what I've got. And with that, let's get to the true or false five pack now. Now, five questions. You don't know what I'm going to ask you, so let's get started here. So going back, we mentioned in our season preview. We both had, uh, you know, while we were we both pegged Detroit, we were both wrong on Minnesota. So we're you know we're not going to completely act like we know everything. So I mean, but I think everybody was wrong on Minnesota. Um, I think it was a lot ballsier of us, Jake, to pick Detroit around five hundred than it was Minnesota and last. But um, so before the year, though, I believe what was I ninety two wins for the Royals? You had them at ninety one. Is that correct? I believe so. I'll have to go back yeah. and listen to that. I should have that written down probably. But uh, true or false? So we both had them picked over 90 wins, the Royals. So true or false, the first half, even knowing that we picked them to win 90-plus, true or false, the first half went much better than you expected? 
Uh, ab- absolutely true. I mean, there's, if you would have told me before the season they'd be 18 games over 500 at the break without Ventura and Duffy being relevant, even I mean, I would have I would have probably laughed. I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable what they've done the first half of the season, especially with you know what they've had with their starting rotation at times with Chris Young and Joe Blanton in the rotation a lot. It, it's been unbelievable, but it's just the, the offense in the bullpen have been. Fantastic! What we've gotten out of Kendris Morales this year has been unbelievable. The way Moose has, you know, turned his game completely around. It's incredible the first half they've had. It's much better than than I expected. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. And, and we both know that you know the, the Royals have. And some people a couple years ago when Dayton Moore said, "Well, we're a second half team," and Ned just said that people laugh. But I mean, they really have proven that time and time again, especially mm-hmm. with this group of guys that they are a second half team. We've seen in the last two seasons. So, I mean, Jake, scary thinking about it. If this team does improve, you know, even a little bit in the second half, th- this team gonna be pushing 95 wins without much doubt. I mean, what are they? If they finish 500 from here on out, they win, I believe, 91. So, I mean, they're pacing. You know, at a very, very uh, healthy rate so far, and I think both you and I probably thought we wouldn't quite get to this point in the season with 52 wins. So, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive. So, the second true or false, true or false, a guy we haven't talked too much about yet is Alex Gordon. So, true or false, the Alex Gordon injury will significantly make this team worse in the next six weeks. I don't want to say significantly, um, but I think it definitely does make the team worse. I mean, you're missing a guy who was your hottest hitter right before he got hurt, a guy who walks more than anybody else on the team, who plays the best anybody in Major League Baseball. So, yeah, it is it is going to hurt. And, uh, you know, Gerard Dyson and Paul Orlando, they've been – they filled in fine now, but, you know, it's a very small sample size, only five or six games, I believe, since Gordon's gone down. So, it's a yeah. It's going to be a challenge, and it's honestly, it's just got, other guys are going to have to step up. There's no way to replace Alex Gordon, but other guys are going to have to get. Rios is going to have to get going in right field. Hosmer is going to have to start, you know, getting more extra base hits and hit more power. And Dyson and Orlando are just going to have to, you know, get on base and make things happen because and do what they're capable of doing. But I, I don't want to say it's going to significantly affect them, but they're definitely a worse baseball team. With yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. Especially, especially you know, as Alex Rios continues his current slide, you know, it's it's almost mm-hmm. like if Alex Rios steps up his game, you know, and becomes the player that you know, even if he regresses to what he should be more like, which maybe is more like a you know a guy hitting thirty plus doubles and, and smacking about ten. I mean, at this point of his career, I would just take ten to thirteen home runs out of him, mm-hmm. and, and a you know a, a two seventy five. He hit what two ninety six last year, so it's a guy that could. Conceivably, if he's mostly healthy, I don't know if that wrist is hurting. If the wrist is hurting that much, that we shouldn't be playing. Although maybe now there's not a lot of options, you know, with Gordon going down. But it just makes you right. wonder, Jake. But I mean, if, if Rio stepped up, obviously that could help uh, considerably going forward um, for the Royals. But it'll be interesting to see what happens in the second half. Uh, the next one, kind of going along the same lines: true or false? The Royals should consider a major trade. Now, when I say major, I'm talking about uh, giving up one of the following: Sean Manaya. Uh, Raul Mondesi or Kyle Zimmer? Should the Royals consider a major trade, or should those three be off limits? And pretty much, I mean, do you go for it this year, Jake? And knowing that you're giving up six years of team control on Mondesi, who might be the best infielder the Royals have produced, some say since Frank White, 
defensively and, and up the middle there. You know, you've got Manaya who possesses number two, possibly number one upside. You've got Zimmer, who some say have the best, you know, the best stuff in the entire organization, who could easily be a part of this year's bullpen in September and kind of be this year's Brandon Finnegan. I mean, when you look at those three, are you are you making a trade? And I'm just saying in general for a starting pitcher or a bat, doesn't matter. Are you making a major trade involving those three, or are they off limits? I would say if it was for, if we're making a trade for a two month rental, I would say they have to be off limits. Okay. Because these guys are too valuable to this organization. They're not worth, you know, going after a starting pitcher or an outfielder you're going to have for a couple months. But if it was for maybe a guy like, you know, we've talked about this one, buddy, who you got for another year. Carlos Gomez, you said? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, yep. Keep going. I mean, yeah, another guy, a guy like that who has, you would have him for another year, then I, you could maybe consider giving up one of them, although I think it would probably take a lot more than just one of them to get him. <laughs> so, um, but. I, yeah, I really I don't like giving up those three guys. Those guys are the future of the scheme, and I I hope they just stay off limits because I think we are, like you said, I think we're going to see Zimmer too in September. He's been unbelievable this year in the minor leagues. Yeah, yeah. Now, true or false, the next one, the starting pitching is a major concern in the second half due to injuries and inconsistency. I mean, even coming back with guys like Vargas and Medlin and so on and so forth, a lot of question marks there. So, Jake, true or false, the starting pitching is a major concern in the second half? Well, I mean, it was a major concern, you know, most of the first half. I'm going to say false because there's just so many arms to choose from right now. I mean, we, we have like a cluster of guys now, you think about it, who could be in this rotation. Volquez, Young, Ventura, Duffy. You got three, you got Vargas coming back this week. Chris Medlin is going to be joining the team probably next week, too. And then, so it's it's just, I think somewhere within all of these guys, you're going to find the right five. I think Ventura and Duffy are going to have strong second halves. I really do believe that. And just fine, this rotation is honestly going forward. What are you going to do? I mean, another guy we haven't even talked about, Jake. I mean, John Lamb, who, you know, most likely is going to be called up for the second game tomorrow on the doubleheader on Friday as, as teams can expand their rosters to 26 games. I mean, it's a guy you've been following close. His velocity is coming back, you know, coming off Tommy John that second year. A guy who's battled injuries his whole life, you know, since high school. I mean, John Lamb, where does he fit in? Well, that's, you know, I've been wondering if they were going to give him a call. You know, all year I've been tracking him. He's having a great season. I thought he would maybe get a spot start a couple weeks ago, but Joe Blanton got in instead. But he's, yeah, a 2.68 ERA down there in AAA, 86 Ks and 84 innings. Yes. And I found interesting that he's, he's much better against right-handed hitters than he is against left. Hmm. He's got a 1.96 ERA against righties and a 4.03 against left-handed hitters this year just as strange for a left-handed pitcher, you know? <laughs> but uh, the velocity this year is definitely back for him. They said he's hit as, as high as 96 on the gun, which is fantastic news. He's had great command this year. And, um, yeah, he's a guy, as you remember, he was one of the top prospects in baseball before he had Tommy John. Mm-hmm. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what they exactly do with him this second half of the season. I mean, he's, he's an option, but I, I'm not exactly sure what their, their plan is to, with him. I think uh, I think there's a pretty good chance, Jake. And yeah, you mentioned going back to when he first came up. You know, it was all those lefties in the system: Chris Dwyer, Mike Montgomery, John Lamb. You know, Tim Melville, the righty, was part of that group. There's a you know big crop of pitching, and unfortunately, most of those guys, for one reason or another, mainly injury. Dwyer's had the unfortunate issues with his thyroid, and you've got Lamb with the elbow. You traded away Montgomery. Melville's now pitching in a different organization, kind of fizzled out. So a lot of those guys haven't come through. But you mentioned that, and uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm thinking, Jake, at this point, there's a pretty 
pretty good chance we see John Lamb or Brandon Finnegan. Uh, perhaps, I mean, I think we both probably agree the Royals are going to do something as far as making a move. You know, I, do you agree there's a pretty good chance maybe Lamb or Finnegan is used as a, is a, is a trade piece? That way you can avoid using some of the guys like Manaya and Zimmer and, and so on? I think it's, yeah, definitely a possibility. I mean, you have so many arms, you know, that you could definitely make something happen with two young arms like Lamb or Finnegan. I mean, it'll be, it's really really intriguing i'm really interested just to see what they're going to do here at the deadline because there's a lot of so many different ways they could go here and uh you know go for a bat go for you know utility guy go for a starting pitcher it's going to be an exciting i think to see what the royals do here at the deadline or if they don't do anything at all yeah, uh, you mentioned something there that was I thought pretty intelligent. You said utility player because I think that is one thing, and we haven't even talked about this. When the Royals sent Christian Colon down, who who was your utility guy down to Omaha to quote unquote get more everyday at bats. I don't know exactly, you know what that is. I know he's got a great attitude. It's not attitude. It's not work ethic. I mean, I I guess I'm going to take the Royals for their word on that that it really is him getting more at bats. I don't know if they're showcasing him or if they uh, are thinking about moving Infante. I, mean, I don't know exactly what the reasoning was for moving him down because I don't know that he really, to me, profiles as anything more than a utility player at the Major League level at this point. So if that's the case, he probably should be up. But knowing the fact that Dayton sent him down and doesn't really see him as a utility guy tells me, you know, Dusty Coleman probably not the long-term answer. I think there's a pretty good chance. I mean, a guy like Ben Zobrist, not even to be a utility, Zobrist would be more of an everyday player, but a guy like that that could play multiple positions off that bench, a veteran. We know Dayton Moore prefers to bring those kind of guys in. We saw Willingham last year. We've seen Jamie Carey as an, as an you know, utility infielder in the past, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. I mean, do you see at least a utility guy, a smaller move made for something like that? I think so. I mean, you think about, yeah, the moves we've made over the past couple of years with, you know, Willingham, I believe, was, what was it, after the deadline, correct? Mm-hmm. Last year? I don't it might have been the, I think it was the day of, actually, I think. Or the day of? For Jason Adam there, well, yeah. Yeah, whenever, yeah, but when you think about it, yeah, I think, like, smaller moves, that seems to be, you know, what Dayton Moore's done more. He hasn't made a big splash, you know. Not in July, no. Starter, like, you know, since he's been here. But also, you got to think he ever, hasn't ever had a team that is 18 games over 500 at this mm-hmm. point either. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I think you definitely, though, I think something's going to happen. I, I would be surprised, honestly, if there's not a utility guy brought in because there really doesn't seem to be one now that Clones has been down on the roster. I mean, Dusty Coleman is, I don't think he's, the answer right now there. No. And that's definitely, I think, a, one of those, a smaller move is definitely going to be made. I would be. I, I think with Dayton Moore. I would be shocked if Dusty Coleman was here even in 10 days. I think, I mean, and no offense to him, I like him a lot. <laughs> Great story. Uh, Casey, he lives in Shawnee, and, and no offense to him, but the guy that wasn't even on the 40 until, you know, a week ago and who would not have been up here had, right. you know, had Cologne not been sent down. And I don't see the Royals knowing how much they value veteran leadership and, and steadiness. I mean, even, even bringing in a guy like Nix last year, you know, as a utility infielder. Nick's played, the, what, got two ABs in the wild card game. Jason Nix. I haven't even mm-hmm. checked if he's in a roster this year. I don't even think he is. I haven't even looked, but as far as him, I've not heard a thing about him. But yeah, so going with that, I agree with you. At the very least, probably a utility player is added. The next one, uh, the final of our five-pack, true or false, the Royals will win the AL Central by five games or more. I think true. I mean, you think about the lead they have right now, and when you look ahead and think, this team could go 500 the rest of the way and win 90 games. I mean, that's that's it's a they've got a unless they have just a collapse, which I don't expect them to have a collapse at all in the second half. I think their starting pitching is going to be better. I think the um, the lineup, the offense is going to continue to do what they've done all year. The bullpen is going to continue to be great. The defense is going to be great. 
there's no reason why this team isn't going to win at least 90 games. I mean, I think they will be over 500 the second half of the season, and I think that they will, you know, win. I think they could win 94, 95 games, honestly. Yeah, I, I would, I would I totally agree. It, it, it comes down to the rotation, though, like you said. And man, mm-hmm. I would both love to be Dayton Moore right now and hate to be Dayton Moore. And you know, right now, I mean, <laughs> you crunch Jake. They've literally got to have like literally. 150 different combinations. I mean, you could. There's so many things you could do. You, you move. Who do you move to the bullpen? Vargas to the bullpen. Medlin to the bullpen. Or do you move Ventura Duffy down to Omaha because one has options? Or do you move Guthrie to the bullpen? Or do you go make a trade? Do you get a second baseman like you know Zobers who can play second, short, and right? Do you go get you know Mike Leake? Or do you go mm-hmm. all in for Johnny Cueto? Or do you go get Jay Bruce? I mean, there's so <laughs> there's so many like you yeah, know. Yeah, he's. His head has probably got to be just spinning when he's looking at all of the different options things he could do and all right. the different arms he's got there. I mean, yeah, it's and, very interesting. Yeah, and I mean, and the injury to Gordon obviously complicates things a bit. But mm-hmm. I mean, Jake, I'll tell you one thing that I, I really, my, my number one move would be to go get Carlos Gomez. I love Carlos Gomez. I love the fact he's an All Star the last two seasons, not this year, but the last couple of years. A guy that can hit twenty plus home runs, steal thirty plus bases, athletic. A guy that OPS is around eight hundred. A guy that you'd have under team control for another season, which would make it a little bit easier for you to negotiate with Gordon. Maybe not have quite so many worries. You know, knowing you had Gomez and Kane at least locked up for next season. I mean, if you let Gordon walk or go into the offseason with no Rios and no Gordon, you've got one outfielder. I don't know that you want to go in with yeah. Orlando or Dyson as your everyday. I mean, maybe a platoon with those two if you bring back Gordon or Gomez or something, but you definitely can't have those two guys right. both starting, obviously, going into no. his everyday guys. So that's who I would really – is there a guy – I mean, me for me, it's Carlos Gomez that I would really like the Royals to get. Is, is there a certain guy in particular that you want out there or not really? I mean, not real, honestly, Gomez is the one I've had my eye on, too, the most. I yeah. mean, I, I think he'd be a perfect fit out there. Think about, you know, okay, he can hold it down out there and do fantastic. And then when Gordon comes back, think about that outfield he may have there going into the playoffs. If you've got him, Gordon, Kane, and Gomez, I mean, not only defensively, but that's, you know, three great bats out there. I I would love to see him move around, especially uh, having him club control for another year and I, I um you know you may have to give up one of your big guys right but. right right but I mean I, I that line that outfield Jake is the best the Royals would have since Damon die and Beltran mm-hmm. would, would that be the best outfield arguably in baseball those three together oh absolutely yeah so, yeah with defense all three of them play and and what they can do is play yeah that would be the best outfield in baseball would you do Sean Manaya and Another top twenty guy like Jorge Bonifacio, and let's say they want you to throw in uh, John Lamb. Would you do Would you do that for for a year and a half of Carlos Gomez, or is that too much? Uh, it's pushing it, but you know, probably, probably. I, I think it. I think it would be worth it because I think it's the guy you can bring here that can help you win a world championship this year. You know, next year too. Yeah, and I mean, I think it would be worth it. I mean, you'd hope to not give up two stud, you know, high profile, high upside lefties like that, especially Manaya. I think probably Lamb's upside is more yeah. of a four or a five at the big league level. Lamb may have more of a Will Smith type upside when Will Smith first came up. I'm not saying he can't, you know, stick in the rotation, unlike Smith, who's mm-hmm. now carved out a hell of a niche in the bullpen, though, as a lefty from Milwaukee. But I think they're similar. Lamb and Will Smith, as far as their upsides when they came up, are fairly similar. But a guy like Manaya is a, a two, you know, one and a half, if you ask some people, as far as what his upside is. Well, one more question for you, Jake. I'm going to give you a, a bonus question here, and I'm just wondering your thoughts on okay. this. What do the Royals need more than 
a bat or a starting pitcher. You're going to make one big splash. We can both agree they're going to make that small move. They're going to give up a, a double-A reliever or whoever it may be to get that utility infielder. Who is uh, you know, the guy you want more, the bat or the starting pitcher? Uh, are you, are you going to say bats and you said Gomez, or do you think starting pitching might be needed more? I, I think the bats still okay. with Gomez. I, I, I think this, we're all hoping and expecting, you know, Danny Duffy and your Donovan Ventura to step up and pitch, you know, more like they did last season. If they can do that, I don't think you necessarily need to go out and, you know, give up some of your young talent for a two-month rental for, you know, a guy. I just I don't like that idea, and I, I, I think a bat is needed. Now, with Gordon down, I mean, if you would ask me this, you know, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, I would have had a completely different answer, probably. Right. But, but now I think the outfield bat is extremely important for not only you know for the regular season for the next couple months with Gordon out, but also for you know a postseason run. And and speaking of postseason, I'm just going to play devil's advocate right now. I think you and I both know the Giants won the World Series because of two words, Madison and Bumgarner. The Giants had that one complete shutdown pitcher. And, and the Royals did get some great outings, especially Game 6 from Ventura in the World Series. But a guy who can consistently take the ball every you know fourth game or third game in the World Series there in the rotation. I don't know that the Royals have that right now. Are, are we just, again, Jake, uh, just you know thinking that uh, between Ventura, Duffy, and Medlin that we're going to get that shot in the arm and we're just going to going to roll the dice with that? You think it's a pretty educated roll of the dice? I think so. I think you just got to hope that one of those guys, yeah, is going to become your ace. I mean, you know, there's not an, obviously not an ace on this team, but I think you just, I think you do have to kind of roll the dice. Yeah. Giving up a bunch of your future for, you know, a guy like, you know, Cueto, who's a very, very good pitcher, but, you know. Who could also break a, down any second. An yeah, but, <laughs> but I don't know if I trust it. You know, even him enough to come in for what you're giving up, right? To lead your team through a World Series, right? Because he's not Madison Bumgarner, and he's not you know Kershaw no. Grinky. No, there's there's not a yeah, there's not a Madison Bumgarner out there. No, no, that you're going to be able to get for two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know, Jake. It's going to be interesting. I mean, last question for you. I, you know, as of right now. I mean, just going off what you think will happen. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen Medlin throw a pitch in Kansas City yet. We've not seen a lot of Ventura or Duffy over the last month, you know, six weeks. As of right now, if you had to guess, let's just say one through four in the postseason rotation, the way you think it will end up, the way you think things will happen, what do you think with this current bunch, the one through four would be in the rotation as of right now for the playoffs? Man. I think... It's probably, if you're looking at right now, Edinson Volquez probably is your one. Um, probably Jordana Ventura, your two. Danny Duffy, your three. And Chris Young, your four. Okay, so you're leaving I mean, Med- I, I Medlin like, in the pen for now? I would then? like to say Medlin, but just since I haven't seen him throw a pitch yet in the major league uniform, I, I hope that he's in that rotation. See, my but answer I, to I that is, yeah. if you don't think Chris Medlin is going to be, to me, if Chris Medlin, if you don't believe he's going to be one of your top three starters in the second half, to me, you've got to go make a move for a starting pitcher because I just do not. Uh, Chris Young, we've seen durability issues. I'm playing devil's advocate here. We've seen durability issues as recently as last year. I mean, Ventura and Duffy can't seem to stay off the DL, especially Duffy throughout his career. Uh, you know, Volquez has been very good, and I think he's a great number two or three option for a postseason. I, I don't know, Jake. I, uh, I, I, to answer my own question, I, I'm, I want Carlos Gomez the most, but I'm almost more inclined that the Royals need that high-end starter. But, again, I don't know. I, that's well, a great, yeah, that's a great a thing of... about baseball. There's, I mean, seriously, this is a great debate. I mean, who, what is the right answer, you know? It's, 
yeah, it's it's tough to say. No, I agree because yeah, it's tough just just there trying to put together that rotation for the playoffs. It's it's frustrating to put together honestly right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we have, we haven't even touched on it. We'll just leave that for date. We're not going to speculate, but we haven't even touched on. You know, I think we can probably both agree Blanton gets DFA'd and Finnegan sent down to make room for Vargas and and Medlin. But we haven't even talked about the seven starters for five spots that they're going to be facing on Tuesday. I mean, we're, we're what five days away from them having yeah. to ship two people. I mean, Chris Young, I would guess, is going back to the bullpen, but can you really put him in the bullpen, though? I mean, can you? I don't know that you oh, can. Yeah, I, I don't think you can either. I mean, he, he was your most reliable guy for the first half. Then who's going? So, I mean, that's, that's, is Medlin starting there to limit innings? But I mean, you, the thing is, you've got Medlin built up, Jake. He threw 94 pitches last night. Well, yeah, he's, he's ready to go. I mean, yeah, yeah, he, was, he was really good, is, is what they're saying in double-A last night, and I really, he, you're right, though. He does need to be one of your top three starters the second half of the season. I agree. But, I mean, he really does. I agree, exactly. They need to get him in the and I just think they need to put him in it. From reading the comments, it almost sounds to me that they're going to put him in the bullpen, which I just, I would just, he's, he's stretched out. Yeah. If he flops into the bullpen, you put Chris Young back in the rotation or Guthrie or Vargas, whoever you move. I mean, I don't know. It'd be tough mm-hmm. to see them moving Guthrie out. Guthrie has been the most proven innings leader you have in your entire organization. I mean, a guy who's pitched much better as of late. To me, Vargas. Vargas has to go in the bullpen. I mean, he's been so close to Tommy John surgery, it seems like, hasn't he, this year? Yeah, I, I think so, too. He just keeps getting hurt. And, in I, yeah, I, I don't see – I don't think there's a spot for him in this rotation right now. Yeah, I, I think he would be – I would send him to the bullpen if it was me. And another thing I could really see them doing, the two guys with options are Duffy and Ventura. I mean – I don't know that they will do this, but I can almost see them, you know, given the veteran guys. We know Ned Yost prefers the veterans, and that's fine. I mean, they have no options, and they, they've been there longer. They've been more consistent this year, too. I mean, another thing would be sending either Duffy or Ventura down and, and just going with, you know, going with Medlin and Guthrie and Volquez and Young and then one or the other, Duffy or Ventura. I don't know. Again, there's so many different possibilities. It's going to be a very interesting second half, especially the next two weeks between the deadline and guys being DFA'd and sent down and utility guys being brought in and rotating being jumbled up, Jake. It should be a lot of fun the second mm-hmm. half. Yeah, it is. Going on with a team that you would think this team is like right around 500 or under 500 right. with all these decisions, but there's, they get an 18-game cushion over 500. Right, so right. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And I, and I think we both probably think 89 wins probably does it in the AL Central this year as well. So the Royals in in very good shape. Mm-hmm. Well, Jake, we'll be checking in with you obviously throughout the second half, and you know hopefully we'll do another one of these maybe before the trade deadline or right after, and kind of recap what the Royals have done. Should be a very interesting next couple of weeks, and we'll chat with you soon on Clubhouse Conversation, man. Have a great night. All right, sounds good. Thanks.